Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Voice Notes with me, Venetia. It's great to have you here. I'm going to start by catching you up on this past week. And honestly, I was really struggling just now when I was thinking about what to tell you because this past week has been a bit of a blur. I think it's because my work-life balance hasn't been so great. Um, I'm going on holiday next week, which I am so excited about. I've been counting down to this holiday for what feels like six months. And I think this is quite a usual thing. In the run-up to a holiday, I am trying to get as much work-related things done as possible before I go. So this week, I have felt like I've been a little bit in overdrive and everything's a bit blurry. But if I think back to the weekend, last weekend, I had a really, really lovely time with some friends. You might know that I moved out of London a couple of years ago, and it's definitely been a slow process of finding people who I feel like I connect with who live close to me. And this weekend, Friday night, I went out for dinner with two local friends, two relatively newish friends. And we had such a lovely time. We went out for Italian food, had a cocktail, sat in the sunshine, gorgeous. And then Sunday, I had two more local friends around and I made them lunch. And then we went for a walk and we had a lovely time. So I texted my mum like, oh my gosh, it's happened. I have local friends. Now, admittedly, the friends who I hung out with on Sunday I have known for a long time and they have moved out of London and they now live fairly close to me. So it's not exactly local friends, but I'm calling it that. I was very, very excited to have some friends around specifically for lunch on Sunday because I wanted to use it as an excuse to cook some recipes from my husband Max's book. Now, usually if we have friends around because he is, let's face it, head chef and a published cookery author, he takes the reins when it comes to cooking. Everyone's just happier that way. He's happier. I'm happier. Our guests are happier. But on Sunday, I took it upon myself to make a couple of recipes from his book, You Can Cook This. I made the first recipe in the book, which makes me feel like maybe I should just work my way through every single recipe. But the first recipe in the book is a carrot lox recipe. So think smoked salmon, but vegan. Don't be put off, I promise. It was really, really delicious. You basically marinate sort of partially slow cooked carrot overnight in a few different seasonings and wake up the next morning and you have something similar-ish to salmon that goes excellently on a bagel with cream cheese. Absolute heaven. And I did that with roasted sweet potatoes with creamy and zesty tahini peanut butter. If something has tahini, I'm all in. If something has peanut butter, I'm ready and willing to devour it all. Both of them together, winner, winner, not chicken dinner. 
so I made those they were very 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 yummy and then I also made like a side salad because I felt like it needed some green with a dressing that's in the back of Max's book oh and then I also made an onion pickle which came out this gorgeous kind of bright pink purple color which is also in the book so I felt very proud of myself and my friends seemed very happy satisfied and full so that was great. That was a very lovely way to spend a Sunday. Other than that, I've just been enjoying the sunshine. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, you will be listening on the summer solstice if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. I think this is a very, not to get all woo-woo because I'm definitely not that woo-woo, but I think the summer solstice is an important day. It's a great time to reflect on the past six months, set some intentions and for me, this time of year is when I feel most myself. During the winter months, I do not feel all that great. I don't feel like I'm my best self. I don't feel all that kind of connected between my mind and my body. I have the tendency to feel very low um, because of the lack of sunlight and the lack of vitamin D. This time of year, I'm thriving. I am absolutely thriving. I love sunshine. I'm almost pained to be recording this podcast indoors right now because the sun is just so gorgeous outside. Yes, there is always a tinge of underlying climate anxiety, especially when it hails. And I think it was late last week or maybe over the weekend, it hailed so hard where I live there were massive, massive hail pellets falling from the sky. This is the second year in a row this has happened in June. Of course, not the most comforting thing in the world to be facing hail in June. But I do love the sunshine and I'm trying to just enjoy it and not be too anxious. Because I was very much head in work this week, I don't have all that many recommendations for you, apart from a new documentary series that has recently premiered on the BBC and is available on the BBC iPlayer. It's called Africa Rising with Afra Hirsch. And Afra Hirsch explores Africa on its own terms. She goes across Morocco, Nigeria, and South Africa to uncover the energy and ambition of creatives reinventing African music, fashion, and film. Afwa is a writer and person I have really enjoyed following the work of over these past few years. She is so thoughtful, so intelligent, and I was actually lucky enough to see her interview Edward Enninful at the Cheltenham Literature Festival last year. She is such a brilliant interviewer and host and as a presenter of this show I just love watching her and I think this tv program is really important I would really really recommend it and I've been learning about how Afwa has actually recently launched her own production company which I think is really badass anyway I'm very happy to recommend this show once again it's called Africa Rising and you can find it on the BBC iPlayer Something I've been thinking a lot about this week is a recent investigation by a journalist called Yara van Hugten, really sorry for my pronunciation, for a Dutch publication called Follow the Money. 
someone from my community sent this to me, I think on Sunday, and I started looking into it on Monday. And it is a piece of investigative journalism where the journalist unearths how so-called, quote-unquote, sustainable clothing brand Patagonia is manufacturing its clothing in the same factories as brands like Zara, Nike, and Primark. This article is worth every single bit of your time. Yara speaks to garment makers, she speaks with unions, and it really is a brilliant piece of investigative journalism. I can't recommend it enough. And the reason why I've been very keen to talk about it is because I think it really shines a light on how, generally speaking, household name brands in the fashion industry that we're all familiar with are just labels, packaging and brands. They aren't all that different from each other. And I think it's really important for more of us to realize that the majority of our clothes are being made in the same factories. And it is very hard to distinguish between what is a quote unquote good and bad brand. Now, this isn't to negate some of the important work that Patagonia have done over the recent decades, but following their CEO's announcement last year, Yvonne Chouinard's decision that he would be giving up his billionaire status in order to set up an NGO that would be putting money into solving the climate crisis, this investigation became even more pertinent because I think it really shows us and makes us think about how billion dollar fashion brands are only able to achieve billion dollar turnovers because someone somewhere, usually garment makers in the global south, predominantly women, are being exploited. If you would like to learn more, I would highly recommend reading the article, which will be linked in the show notes. I'm also going to link my All the Small Things episodes with Swati Deepak titled Do Ethical Billionaires Exist? I'm also going to link a couple of articles by the Clean Clothes campaign to demonstrate how it's brands who hold responsibility when it comes to their workers. It's not their suppliers. Brands employ suppliers. The onus is on the brands. And the reason why I was so frustrated with Patagonia in this article is because their statement to follow the money was empty. They just shirked all responsibility. And I really believe that a brand who has taken up so much space in the sustainability conversation needs to be taking ownership when it comes to their garment makers who are arguably, well, without whom we wouldn't have clothes, right? And I've just found their reaction to this so disappointing. So I've been thinking a lot of, a lot about it this week and having some really great conversations, both with people in my community on Instagram, but with also other people working behind the scenes for various organizations in the slow fashion space and hearing about how most of them think that Patagonia's green reputation is based on some very expensive affecting marketing campaigns rather than doing any radical work. And I think there has absolutely been a place 
for Patagonia. They have done some good work. This is nuanced. I don't want to undermine any of that. Of course, they've done good things. Of course, they continue to do good things. But currently, we need radical action and we need brands to be prioritizing the well-being of their workers, allowing them to unionize because unions and collective bargaining is where true long-lasting change happens. So I've been thinking about that lots this week. Do check out the resources linked in the description box. It's now time for a quick break, but when we come back, I will be reading some of your emails. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right, let's get into some emails. Dear Venetia, I try my very best to do everything I can to reduce my impact on the environment. I always buy secondhand, I use sustainable products where I can, reuse containers, etc. However, I was talking to a friend of a friend last week who's part of the fashion industry as a model, and we were discussing Adidas as one of our friends had an Adidas t-shirt on. I said it was not such a cool brand. They asked why, and I said, well, firstly, they do not treat their workers well. The model friend then rolled their eyes and said something along the lines of, I hate it when people think they are superior when they talk badly about brands. I continue to say how it's better to buy secondhand to honour the clothes the workers made. This friend wasn't having any of it and said it makes no difference. The clothes will be made anyway, and so on, telling me I had no idea how it really works. I tried my best to argue my case, explaining how if we buy less from these brands themselves, the demand goes down and it's much better to buy clothes that are already out there than buy new ones. I really struggled to argue against two strong-minded people who proceeded to tell me the issue lay in large-scale politics and the oil companies, which I of course can understand and is not a full statement. I tried to persuade them that a lot of political change has to come from the bottom level with individuals protesting and making small changes in order for big changes to be made and the level of the government. Even though I tried my best to hold my own in this debate, I feel really weak as if I was in the wrong with my arguments. I did not like being called out for thinking I was superior for having these arguments. I was simply trying to raise awareness. Do you have any advice on this sort of thing? How could I have been stronger in my argument? Or is it not even worth trying to change such stubborn opinions? Hopefully you can help me and maybe others with the same question. 
Firstly, I'm really sorry that they made out like you were trying to come across as superior to them. I absolutely don't think that was your intention. And it is really important to raise awareness about the fact that Adidas treat their workers abhorrently. In fact, currently they owe their garment makers in Cambodia $11.3 million in unpaid wages. They are a terrible brand. And I don't think it was your intention. In fact, it's never anyone's intention to try and come across as superior. Personally speaking, the way I would try and get through to people like this is to try and explain that this system and brands like Adidas are harming all of us and giving into nihilism, saying things like, what does it matter? It's out of our hands. The clothes are going to be made anyway, is really, really unhelpful. And it's actually a function of capitalism. Capitalism wants to make us think that we have no power against the system. And that is really harmful. And it's also totally untrue. We know from history that change comes from grassroots, organizers, activists, change makers, speaking out, coming together collectively to rally against the system. So that in itself is completely false. What I would say is, could you try and meet them in a place where you're bringing them in, like truly bringing them in? Because I think there's a real opportunity here. I want to acknowledge that you are someone who really thinks about all the decisions you make and you sound like someone who really tries to do their best. And that's awesome. What I would really encourage you to start thinking about is how rallying against a brand like Adidas or any other big fashion brand is so much more than how we buy. So, you know, I'm a secondhand pre-loved advocate. I try and buy as many of my clothes as possible secondhand. I, of course, have the privilege to do that and the accessibility to do that. But shopping secondhand isn't really the thing that is going to give garment makers the rights and dignity that they are rallying for. As active citizens, because we are so much more than consumers, I really want to emphasize this, as active citizens, we need to be as engaged in action as we possibly can. And that looks like a multitude of different things. So with these friends in particular, could you suggest if you hang out again, maybe watching a documentary and then having a conversation about it? I really appreciate that you're already trying to raise awareness, but perhaps you could watch a documentary together so that they could feel like they are being brought in by you. This is so much about community and feeling connected to one another and feeling like we can encourage and inspire each other. And I think, honestly, you know, they they brought up some important points, which is how this is about politics and policy. And that is not untrue, like I know you understand. So I would really encourage you to kind of think of ways you can bring people in. And I do want to talk a little bit more about being an active citizen. And this is kind of following on from the video I put on Instagram this week about Patagonia that I spoke about in the first half of this podcast, who are making their clothes in the same factories as brands like Nike. 
Of course, as a secondhand advocate, I'm always going to encourage folks to buy less overall and prioritize pre-loved wherever possible. And I say that without wanting to diminish the great work of some small independent ethical brands who are able to fully track every single process of creating a garment. And you know that I love small brands like that. And I occasionally talk about them on my various social media platforms. But what I really want to hammer home here is that we are so much more than consumers. If this investigation about Patagonia proved anything, it's that these issues are systemic. And doing what you're doing by spreading the word about the garment industry and garment workers and being in solidarity with their union demands is vital. Pressurizing brands, which we can do if we have access to a smartphone, brands spend millions on their public image and commenting onto their posts on social media platforms is something that I learned to do via the Remember Who Made Them campaign from garment makers and their unions. And joining an existing slow fashion campaign could be a great thing for you to do. I would suggest Remake Our World, Labour Behind the Label, Clean Clothes campaign. Definitely try and find one which has an arm local to you in your country and join them because those kind of groups are places that you're going to be able to have these conversations and really learn as much as possible. And that way, when you're next in this situation, you will feel so much better equipped to really dive a little bit deeper. And I would also say like, be open to listening what they say, because for me, that's how I learn how to better communicate these issues, which I am very much still learning. I think I have so much room for improvement. And I I, I really feel like I'm at the beginning of learning how to communicate these issues. Other things like protesting, I often share protests on my Instagram stories and we will be doing more trainings this summer. So definitely keep an eye out for those. And I'll probably also talk about them on this podcast. Joining digital actions, signing petitions, hosting a documentary screening, hosting a swap shop with your colleagues or friends. These are all ways we can become active citizens as opposed to believing that our power starts and stops with how we buy. This idea that our power is only what we buy is internalized capitalism, and it is really doing us a dirty. I don't want to be too simplistic here, but demanding brands take accountability of their workers, prioritize worker unions and collective bargaining those are the things that are really going to shift the dial as well as policy change. Speaking of policy change, if you are an EU passport holder, heartbreak for me, please do sign the Good Clothes Fair Pay petition. I will leave it in the show notes of this episode. I feel like I've gone on a tangent. I'm going to bring this back to your email. I really want to encourage you to keep having these conversations. This is how we raise awareness. And I know it's hard. It can be really frustrating, but try to have these conversations with an open heart and an open mind and think of ways you can invite people in. This is going to take all of us in a myriad of ways, doing lots of different things. So keep going. You're doing the right thing. This is an invitation to continue the way you are and also start to think a little bit more systemically 
about collective action, I would say. I hope that helps. We have time for one more email, which I'm now going to read to you. Hello, Venetia. I hope this finds you well. Thank you so much for starting a judgment-free and nuanced conversation on the topic of whether or not to have children. I find this conversation to be everywhere in my life, and it makes me feel a bit angry and a lot exasperated. I'm the mother of a 27-year-old son who is engaged and a 21-year-old daughter who is in a relationship. Ever since my eldest hit his 20s, people began asking me, and my husband, although to a much lesser degree, are you ready to be a grandparent? Or when are they going to have children? Or when are they giving you a grandbaby? Recently, we were at a graduation party and the other mums around my age, all of us early 50s, started asking me about grandchildren and wasn't I ready to become a grandmother and how they couldn't wait to be a grandmother and on and on and on until I blurted out, no, I don't want to be a grandma right now and never if it isn't right for them. The longest, most awkward silence followed. My son spoke up and said, we were thinking about rescuing chickens. I replied, then I shall be grandma cluck cluck. Laughter followed and thankfully conversation started again. On the way home from the party, we discussed how we could answer the child slash grandchild question in the future. Your beautiful podcast has given me new language to talk to others about parenthood, grandparents and societal expectations that pigeonhole us into certain roles. Thank you for being brave and vulnerable and for your willingness to share your feelings, thoughts and emotions. I am ever so grateful. Grandma Cluck Cluck. Thank you so much for sending in this letter. I really enjoyed reading it and I had a conversation with my editor about it. I don't think I have actually given enough thought to how I would like my parents to respond to this question that I am sure they will be getting asked. Folks who are at an age at which their children might be having children do have a responsibility to challenge the societal norm that folks are just supposed to have children like it's a given. So I really want to thank you for raising this with me. And I think I'm going to have a conversation with my mum and dad about it. My editor Nada said it got her thinking about how important it is for people of that generation to be challenging those expectations among their peers and generally being a good role model as supportive parents and family members. And I definitely see it as having a domino effect. A lot of the resistance that I have been met with after telling people that I'm not sure I want children has been from family members. And there's something about family that can feel extra pressurizing. So with that said, thank you for being a brilliant ally. I feel very honored to have you as part of this community of listeners. So thank you so much for being here. If you would like to get in touch with the show about a topic we've spoken about before or something completely different, please do. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at atstpod at gmail.com. Next week, I am on holiday. 
I'm so, so excited. I can't wait to tell you all about it when I'm back. While I'm away, I have scheduled an interview, all the small things episode for you. I am chatting to the wonderful Rachel Mills, who is a London-based literary agent and entrepreneur. And we're discussing books and the publishing industry and summer reads. So I really hope you enjoy that episode. And I very much look forward to catching up with you when I'm back from holiday. In the meantime, I hope you have the best day possible and I'll see you soon. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 